I need about three weeks of recovery. But the nurses is loving me, saying the best part of the day is my half. Feeding me breakfast and giving me a sponge bath. Niggas say I died dead in the streets. I'm getting high, getting head on the beach. Chilling, sitting on about half a million. With all my all my guns, all my women. The next two years, I should see about a billion. All for the love of drug dealers. Got no love for the other side. Them tricks, any repercussions, Junior Mafia spit clips all the time. Big Papa kicked the war around, raw flows, and that's how it goes. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my guy, Mr. TJ Hernandez. Happy New Year, TJ. Happy New Year, Chris. Uh, just trying to roll into the new year with some some wild card uh, victories on the DFS slate. So I'm I'm ready to do this. Finish strong. Finish season strong. Yes, sir. It's wild card weekend. We're going to go through each of the four games. We'll just break those down in detail instead of kind of going position by position. We'll just talk about each game and and some things to keep in mind for each game to help you guys narrow down your selections on this wild card weekend. But before we jump into that just want to let you guys know that the name of the song that played us in was of course notorious by the notorious big featuring p diddy and little kim off the 1999 posthumous album born again so check that out one of my favorite songs has a pretty funny funny video as well biggie notorious off born again from 1999 so be sure to check that out but we got four games this weekend on this wild card slate and the first one up is the tennessee titans going to arrowhead to face the kansas city city chiefs excuse me and the Chiefs are eight and a half point favorites as we record this at home. So that would give the Titans an implied total of 18 points and the Chiefs an implied total of 26 and a half points. The only real big note on this game is that DeMarco Murray, the Titans running back, has been ruled out, which should open things up for Derrick Henry to be the feature back. Again, Albert Wilson not practicing, but looks like he is going to play. There is some question about that, but that's something we'll have to monitor, but it's probably going to play. And that's pretty much the only real big news in this uh, game. So TJ, I guess you can just start off like, what are your overall thoughts on this game for the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, offense without DeMarco Murray? Yeah, I'm I'm not really excited about uh, Tennessee's offense at all. We saw last week without DeMarco, uh, Tennessee gave uh, Derrick Henry 58% of the team touches. So uh, they really tried to run the ball. Obviously, that was against a, a Jacksonville defense that that is a run funnel. But as big underdogs, uh, the, these are two really slow paced teams. Both teams rank in the bottom six in terms of uh, pace. And I, I think what we're going to see is a situation where uh even though Kansas City is is vulnerable against the pass, uh, they're just a way better team than Tennessee. And I think Tennessee will ultimately end up trying to uh, run to keep the game close, take advantage of, of both of these slow-paced teams. And probably Kansas City does – I think they do cover, uh, but I think it's something like a 21-10 to 10 type game. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Derrick Henry, if Murray's ruled out, I think he's probably going to end up being the highest on running back on DraftKings at least just because of the way the pricing sets up on FanDuel it's a little more flexible so you don't necessarily need to go there but on DraftKings I mean you know 28 touches last week uh he played on 97 percent of the Titan snaps so I think Henry is definitely going to be you know a high usage play it just comes down really to game script you know as you alluded to it's going to be a tough goal for the Titans on the road here in Arrowhead uh, this game is also the coldest of the games on the slate. The forecast right now is 28 degrees um, with the wind about nine miles per hour. So the wind's not really a concern, um, but it is a cold, going to be a kind of a cold running type atmosphere in this one. The Kansas City Chiefs have been kind of vulnerable against the pass, especially against wide receivers, although they have gotten a little better, but they still rank, uh, you know, pretty much down in the bottom 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two wide receivers. They rank 26. So I think if this does get into a situation where there is some negative game script on the part of the Titans that you could see guys like Rashard Matthews, Eric Decker, 
Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, one of those guys at least um, put up a put up a decent game uh, as the Titans try to come back. So I think that's really the the way you're looking if you're going to roster Marcus Mariota in a tournament. You're kind of looking for the same thing there, just some some kind of garbage time production. But it's interesting because Rashard Matthews has been at least we think of him as the number one wide receiver on KC, but in fact over the past four weeks, Corey Davis has uh, more air yards 27% to 17% and he also has a greater target share 18% to 15% now some of that is you have you have a game where Patrick Peterson went up against Matthews and then the Titans also played the Jaguars and it's hard to really look too much into that game as well because you, you have Jalen Ramsey on Matthews or you have Bouye on Matthews so it's tough to really get too much of uh to glean too much from that but I just thought that's something that is interesting. And then Eric Decker has actually kind of been the most consistent in terms of volume over these past few weeks for the Titans. He's got uh, five or more targets in each of those games over the past four weeks. So it, any thoughts on these uh, Titans pass catchers in this matchup? Yeah, I, I think I kind of want to work back backwards here and and kind of who would I eliminate I mean Corey Davis he had a, a 91 yard game two weeks ago like you mentioned he he had a has had a decent target share but a lot of that came from that nine target game uh, that was his first game with more than 48 yards since week one and and he hasn't found the end zone yet uh, over the last couple of weeks over the last two weeks Eric Decker uh, has led the team in targets in each week, 27% market share in each of those games. So he's probably the safer bet playing on the inside. But if, if we're looking for a boom game, it, I guess it has to be Rashard Matthews. He's the only wide receiver on the Titans that has uh, a game with at least 20 PPR points. He actually has three of those games, but two of them came uh, really early in the year. And even though Kansas City has uh, been really vulnerable against the past this year, down the stretch, they, they've, uh, they've been decent. They've allowed one of the lower touchdown rates over the last six, six weeks of the season. Uh, so they still been giving up yardage and, and catches, but, uh, not a ton of touchdowns down the stretch. So again, if, I mean, I just think this, the, the way this game plays out is it's a little bit slower pace. I don't think Kansas City necessarily gets up something like 14 by halftime where Tennessee just has to all of a sudden air it out. I mean, the only time we've really seen, uh, the Titans, put up a, a really big game is when they were getting uh, blown out by the Steelers and then they ran into uh, the Colts in the middle of their horrendous stretch against the pass. Other than that, it's just kind of been a slower pace, low volume passing game. And I think that's how this plays out. Yeah, it's it's tough because on the slate, you have to kind of consider all of these wide receiver three types just because pricing is kind of tight. You have a lot of studs on the slate and depending on what those studs do, you know, if you're going to, let's say, finish at the top of a tournament, you're going to need to have, you know, certain studs and you might need to have certain players to balance that out. So it's, it's kind of, we have to kind of go through all of these, these guys, even though they, they're not looking too good on paper, but yeah, I think the, uh, I think, you know, Delaney Walker probably has a, a better expectation than all of the, the wide receivers, but you, you know, if it, over the full season, Rashard Matthews is looking like uh, that guy, you know, and as you mentioned, Kansas City, besides last week when they gave up two touchdowns to Paxton Lynch, they've given up uh, zero or one touchdowns in each of the last six weeks before that passing. So definitely have improved their pass defense a bit. And then on the other side of the ball, you have Kansas City, who's getting their plays called by offensive coordinator Matt Nagy now. And that has had, I think, the greatest impact on the team in the red zone and in scoring position and particularly on Kareem Hunt, who over the weeks from week 13 to week 16, because Hunt really didn't play much last week, but in the four other games that Nagy was calling plays, Inside the 10-yard line, Hunt got a carry or a target on 10 of Kansas City's 16 carries plus targets. So that's 63% inside the 10-yard line. But in the first 12 weeks of the season, he was down at only 39% of their opportunities inside the 10-yard line. So Kareem Hunt is kind of really trending upwards with Matt Nagy. TJ, what are your thoughts on this Chiefs offense? Yeah, I think this is a spot where if you if you want to stack a team, um, you definitely can. You mentioned that that Nagy has been featuring Hunt over the last month of the season, and when I say the last month as it pertains to the Chiefs, that excludes Week 17 because they rested a bunch of their starters. Uh, but uh, staying on Hunt, I, this is a pretty interesting situation because he he is obviously in play against uh, a Tennessee who's kind of middle of the road against 
experienced running backs, but I think if he's going to have a big game, it's it's probably going to have to be through the air. Tennessee's been stout against uh, running backs in the running game. They've allowed the fifth fewest rushing yards and the fewest rushing touchdowns to running backs, but they rank in the bottom three in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns allowed to the position. And you mentioned that uh, the Chiefs have kind of shifted a little bit more towards the rush uh, in the red zone or near the goal line, uh, but we have uh, kind of competing forces at work here. Teams have thrown uh, 57% of the time in the red zone against the Titans, which is the sixth highest rate that any defense has faced inside the 20. So uh, maybe the Chiefs kind of stray from that a little bit to exploit a weakness that uh, Tennessee has shown. Yeah, I mean, it's I think I think Hunt is still kind of a slam dunk play here. I mm-hmm. mean, if you just look at it's kind of like a couple weeks ago when you know Ty Gurley was going against the Titans and people were like oh well you know they're kind of good against the run so he's gonna have to do it in the passing game and then he did it in the passing game um (laughs) they have uh because of that Gurley game mainly but they were bad before that but with that Gurley game that actually put them they've given up 127 more receiving yards to running backs than Mm -hmm. any other team in the league this season uh five touchdowns receiving to running backs that is tied for the second most in the league. So, you know, I think Hunt, um, his, his targets per game have actually gone up under Nagy as well. They've essentially doubled. He was averaging about 2.7 per game uh, before in weeks one through 12. And then he went up to uh, 5.2 per game under Nagy. So I, I, I really like Hunt in this spot. If you're looking for kind of a way to, I guess, arbitrage somebody like Todd Gurley, who's uh, more expensive, I think you have to look at uh, Hunt in this spot. But, you know, as you alluded to, TJ, I really do like this whole offense. I think Alex Smith is in play in cash games. The Chiefs have the, uh, the second highest total on the slate at uh, 26 and a half. Oh, no, actually, actually, it's the third highest total, but they're all yeah. kind of in a similar boat, except for Jacksonville. It's a couple of points lower. Um, the other three teams are around 26, 27. But uh, I think Alex Smith is in a really good spot against his defense. You mentioned that they're kind of somewhat of a pass funnel. I think Travis Kelsey, I feel better about Travis Kelsey pretty much than any other pass catcher, maybe save for uh, Michael Thomas in this spot. And uh, Tyree Hill, always a threat. And his you get, you get a little discount with him compared to the, the other two stud wide receivers receivers on the slate and Albert Wilson another one who you know if he plays he's had a decent workload over these past few weeks has five uh, or, more, or more targets in in three of the la- uh, seven or more targets sorry in three of the last five weeks before last week when he had a monster game but that was with uh, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey sitting out of course so there are definitely some options in this game on the Chiefs side of the football and I, I think this will be you know, it just depends on, I guess, how the game script goes. If Tennessee's able to score some points on Kansas City, I think that will help the overall, just all the players in this game, because then Kansas City might have to throw a little more than they would otherwise. But if not, it could kind of turn into one of those cold winter games in Arrowhead where it's just a low scoring affair. And I think that kind of benefits Hunt the, the most, like a Hunt Kansas City Chiefs defense stack. But let's move on to the second game on the Saturday slate, and that is the Atlanta Falcons going to LA to take on the Rams. The line opened at Rams favored by five points with a over under of 50. It is, as we record this, down to 48.5 over under and the Rams have gotten an extra point and a half. So they're up to six and a half point Mm -hmm. favorites. So that's something to keep in mind that uh, it looks like some sharp action is coming in on the Rams and uh, kind of betting on the Falcons scoring fewer points than uh, the line suggested when it first opened the implied totals for this game with the line as we record this would be Falcons, uh, excuse me, Rams 27 and a half and the Falcons 21. So it's kind of an interesting score there. I think this game does have some shootout potential depending on how successful the Falcons offense can be. Uh, how are you feeling about this Falcons offense, TJ? It looks like Devontae Freeman is off the injury report. Uh, he's going to be fine. So all the Falcons offense should be at pretty much full health. Yeah. The- in, uh, at full health and and uh, pretty much in play just because we can uh, relatively easily project this offensive u- offensive uh, usage but I, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about Atlanta uh, against this defense I mean uh, the Rams have only allowed three quarterbacks to score over 17 fantasy points this year and two of those came in the first four weeks uh, so so they've really buckled down against quarterbacks uh, and then like you said Freeman is looks like he's going to be a go 20 touches in three of the last four games and he saw a season high uh, 11 targets last week but uh, I mean 
even if he plays, it looks like he, he is going to be a little bit hobbled and this is going to be a negative game script. Uh, and then as far as the pass catchers go, I mean, we, we know Julio's going to be that big volume guy, but he just hasn't been giving us the boom games that we want from a guy that we're going to be paying upwards of $8,000, $8,500 for. So he's actually uh, my second favorite wide receiver behind Michael Thomas, who we'll get to a little bit later. But uh, Julio's only had three games uh, over 20 PPR points. There have been 23 receivers this year with at least three games. And kind of on that note, if the Rams are going to give up a a big game, they've given up uh, two of their three 20-point PPR games have been to the slot receiver. So um, that might give us a, a little bit of of, of uh, lean towards Mohamed Sanu, who's been kind of boomer bust down the stretch. Uh, just three red zone targets over the final six weeks of the season. But uh, in two of those games, scored 20 PPR points. Three of those games, barely seven PPR points. So really up and down for Sanu, but this could be a spot where uh, he takes advantage of a team that has shown some vulnerability against the slot. Yeah, I, I like that call. I think uh, it's tough with the other guys on Atlanta because Taylor Gabriel a little banged up. Looks like he's going to be fine, but him and Justin Hardy kind of rotating a little bit. Austin Hooper has not caught more than three passes in the last seven weeks. He doesn't have a red zone target over that span either. So I think the only other Atlanta Falcon you're really looking to is Tevin Coleman just because he kind of gets mm-hmm. in that nine to, to 15 touch range. And that's given his price and given that it's, you know, there is tight pricing, especially on a site like DraftKings where you need that flex play. I think Coleman is squarely in play just given his talent and the fact that he's he's pretty much used like Freeman when he is in the game. On FanDuel, it's, it's not as necessary just because you kind of want more of that volume since you only have two of those running back slots and you do have a guy like Derrick Henry who's going to get that volume. But on DraftKings, you have to look out for Tevin Coleman. Matt Ryan's been, he's had a very underwhelming fantasy season. Uh, it probably looks worse than it is because he's had some really, uh, kind of tough touchdown. At least he just hasn't, he just has one or no touchdowns in each of the past six weeks. Hasn't had multiple touchdowns in a while. TJ, I don't know if you've been tracking it, but is, is Matt Ryan like a touchdown regression candidate? Cause it seems like his touchdown production is just, way lower than it should be given his other efficiency metrics and yardage and whatnot. Yeah, um, he's kind of <clears throat> in the middle of the pack. I mean, if we go all the way back to last year, the the reason we didn't really see uh, him, the, the reason we saw him with bigger touchdown numbers is because he was avoiding those interceptions, but his rate numbers are pretty much on par with, with what we've seen for his career. And I mean, when we talk about regression, uh, the, the big studies that I do often look against the league average, but when we have somebody with his big of a sample size is someone like Ryan. We like to look at his uh, career numbers and he's pretty much on par. I I do want to go back to, you mentioned Austin Hooper and on these short slates, uh, a lot of times you kind of have to the, the winning lineup is someone that just doesn't show up in metrics. It's just kind of no rhyme or reason for it. But uh, the Rams have allowed the seventh most touchdowns to tight ends. You mentioned that if a game shoots out, it's, it could be this one. I think this is when uh, this is the most likely to shoot out as well. And I, if there's just a, if I'm going to randomly punt a position, why not tight end? And I, I think Hooper can just kind of luck box into that touchdown. Yeah, it's, 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 that's definitely reasonable. I mean, he plays about 80 percent of the snap so he'll definitely be on the field and you know uh, you know I agree I think the Rams if you're gonna you're probably gonna have to throw uh, up the middle against them um wish he had more red zone targets uh but I don't know why they I don't know why he's just been so absent but I totally agree I think on these short slates you definitely need to find that that value and Hooper is a guy who you know at, at that price we've seen games from him earlier in the season anyway where he's had some upside you know he's had a, a 128 yard game with a touchdown he's had had a six catch 49 yard game with the touchdown so I definitely think that's a, a great point there and on the Rams side of the ball of course it all starts with Todd Gurley interestingly enough the Falcons are ranked first in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs but Todd Gurley matchups haven't really mattered for him all season he's put up some big numbers against other defenses ranked in the top 10 
you know, San Francisco, he's, who's up to number five. He scored a couple touchdowns against them in week three. Dallas, he put up uh, over 200 total yards and a touchdown. They're eighth in week four. Uh, he did well uh, against the Eagles, the Cardinals, Titans, all these teams. Minnesota, even, he got to salvage his day with a touchdown. So um, pretty much a guy that I think he has the, the highest overall floor ceiling combo on a slate, even given his price tag and our four for fours cash odds model backs that up on both sides. He blows every other player out of the water by double digit percentage points in both cash probability and GPP probability. So that's pretty much that. But TJ, I guess, how do you feel about this Rams offense first in terms of just fitting Todd Gurley into lineups? And then secondly, just with these, with Jared Goff and these pass catchers. Yeah. On, on FanDuel, if you're willing to punt one or two positions, which I think there's a couple good spots, it's actually relatively easy to get Gurley. And on DraftKings, we have a, a bit more of a challenge. Uh, if I am playing cash games, which I, I trying to cut back on, I'm definitely trying to jam them in. Obviously, in these short slate, uh, large field tournaments you want to get a little bit more creative but i mean you you actually can make a really strong argument for Gurley on DraftKings despite his price because even though atlanta has been very good uh, against running backs the way that they have been beaten is through the air they've allowed the most receptions to running backs this season and we obviously know uh todd Gurley is going to be a huge part of that uh outside of Gurley. Uh, Jared Goff is, he's priced up, uh, with the top quarterbacks, but he just kind of doesn't stand out with, with because of, of guys like Alex Smith and Drew Brees being in really good spots. But, uh, Jared Goff did leave all passers and points per pass attempt over the final six weeks of the season. And that efficiency can always show up, uh, in, in fantasy line, especially in a game where, uh, the Rams are expected to score over 27 points. <clears throat> the passing game is, I mean, yeah, Robert Woods played two full games after coming back from injury, and then uh, the Rams rested their starters. He he accounted for at least 22% of his uh, team's targets in each of those games, so he's kind of the de facto number one. Uh, but he, he will be lined up against Desmond Trufant, who's been good, not great, but still, I think if if Woods beats him, it's going to be ha- it's going to have to be with the deep ball, uh, which the which Atlanta doesn't really give up that much and I think Cup has Cooper Cup has the easier matchup in the slot and he did rank third in the league in red zone targets so I think in these in these larger field tournaments I'm probably leaning uh, Cup a little more just because uh, like we said this game has a chance to shoot out he's going to get a ton of those red zone targets and then the odd man out is Sammy Watkins I think that's pretty clear at this point he's 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 the only Rams receiver with an average depth of target over 10 yards Uh, I mentioned Falcons are really good against deep ball only three teams have allowed uh, fewer completions on deep balls and when we define deep balls that's balls that traveled at least 15 yards in the air yeah it's interesting i think you can make a case for all three of them in in tournaments and i don't think you need any of them in cash games i mean woods you mentioned it kind of the number one guy kind of the uh, you know he has been the leader in air yards has been the leader in target share for this team and you got cup he's third tied for third in the league with 23 red zone targets but then you got watkins he's actually scored a touchdown in six of his last eight games and you know, just given his price, uh, you know, he could kind of be that third wide receiver or even, you know, that second wide receiver that you that you might need in your lineup, especially in a tournament. So I wouldn't rule any of them out, but I, I, I do think that, um, you know, this matchup is going to, you know, the Rams are going to, the offense is going to flow through Gurley, but at the same time, the, the, the Rams rank as a number two pass funnel in the league, according to my funnel ratings. And the, we always have to remember that Jared Goff is throwing to Todd Gurley. So that's kind of where Jared Goff's upside comes from. It's that, you know, in addition to throwing to these wide receivers, which are pretty formidable, he's also throwing to the, what has been the best running back in the league this season so um you can't really kind of rule Goff out in a tournament the, the only position that's really kind of been absent for these Rams has been the tight end position with Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett that that would be nothing more than than a dart throw here they haven't really seen much action between the 20s or in the red zone uh as of yeah late. Cu- curiously that's that's actually the best positional matchup that the Rams have the the Falcons rank 26 and tight end uh scheduled just to fantasy points allowed but like you said just just absent there but i mean higby plays 70 percent of the Rams snaps so it's kind of like it's similar to austin hooper if you can just kind of punt that that position and, and hope for a touchdown sometimes that wins these short slates and i mean 
it's it's probably not as uncommon on a really short slate, but this you mentioned Goff throwing a girly. This slate just kind of sets up really well for quarterback uh, running back stacks overall. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's one of those slates, especially because it's only a four game slate. You're gonna kind of look for that team. There could always be that situation where there's that one team of the of the four winners that just kind of smashes, and mm-hmm. or, or even two, one or two of those teams, and the other teams, it's kind of like one or two players that really are. Are valuable and if you kind of have that team that smashes with the quarterback the running back maybe the top receiver or top two receivers even you might you might need that to win in a tournament so yeah I think you know you talked about it Alex Smith Kareem Hunt could be an option Gurley to uh, Goff could be an option and you also mentioned in Atlanta Devontae Freeman 11 targets last game seven targets a couple weeks ago so Matt Ryan if you know if he gets the extra touchdown aside from the one that he normally gets maybe it's Freeman getting in the end zone uh with a pass instead of a a rushing touchdown so I definitely agree that there are some opportunities uh in this situation uh for that type of stack which is one of the better stacks after you after you do a quarterback and his top receiver usually the running back is the second most valuable stacking partner to pair up with the quarterback so definitely a good point on that one let's get into the uh sunday games here and the buffalo bills in the early game are going to jacksonville to take on the jaguars the bills are nine point underdogs right now implied totals would be jacksonville 24 and a quarter the bills 15 and a quarter as we record this looks like Sean mccoy is going to play marquise lee the jaguars wide out not practicing not sure if he's going to play or not. TJ, you kind of brought up a point that they have Alan Hearns back. So with D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole especially playing very well right now, they might not feel like they need to rush Lee back. But I guess we'll start with the Bills offense. And I guess, how are you treating the Bills offense? Number one, if LaShawn McCoy is at full strength and number two, if he's kind of iffy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i kind of treating him the same way. I'm just kind of not excited about this offense at all in this situation as huge underdogs. I mean, Shady is going to be uh, a guy that's going to be heavily involved. He's going to see passes out of the backfield, but uh, this just isn't a team that's been putting up big offensive numbers. And actually, even though uh, Shady does account for a lot of that short pass game over the course of the season, since Charles Clay has came back, he's really been the guy seeing uh, most of the targets from from Tyrod Taylor. We saw that really early in the year. And now over the final month of the season, Charles Clay's accounted for 26%, at least 26% of the Bills targets in every single game over those last four games. No tight end saw more targets in the final four weeks. So I think if there is one guy that I'm, I'm looking to, uh, it's Charles Clay. There aren't really many price pivots uh, at the tight end position, just like perfect price pivots. But Clay is almost exactly the same price as Delaney Walker on FanDuel. And as far as and looking at four for four ownership projections, uh, Walker is expected to draw higher ownership. So that that is an interesting play on FanDuel. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin just hasn't been doing much in the offense, less than 18% of the Bills targets uh in since returning from his injury, just two red zone targets in that span. So really maybe rolling out shady and, and hoping for uh, a closer game or, or a Bortles to full Bortles and a positive game script. But other than that, uh, not much to hang your hat on, on the Buffalo side. What probability, what percentage probability would you give to the Jaguars defense outscoring every single Buffalo skills player, skill player? (laughs) Um, Man, that's I, oof, maybe like 15%, which is crazy high. I, I was going more like 50-50, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like if Sean McCoy, mean- McCoy doesn't get in the end zone, if he just gets like yardage with no you know touchdowns, I could easily see Sean McCoy leading the Bills in fantasy points, but with like 10 or 15, but the Jaguars getting like 17 mm-hmm. to 20 defense. Like, I think that's well within the range yeah, of possibility. It's hard, it's hard for a defense to – it's really hard for a defense to put up 15 points even against <laughs> a, a really bad – uh, even against a really bad offense, but like you said, like I, I think like Shady or Tyrod kind of can just stumble to fifteen points, but I even even if it's twenty twenty five percent, that's crazy high. But that's I mean that's a legit question to ask. <laughs> like yeah, the the defense might be the best play in this game besides Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I, I kind of, that's kind of what I'm alluding to. Uh, Jacksonville is the uh, they they are a um, you know a team that 
you know, if you're going to beat them, I think you're right. You're going to have to go through Charles Quay here in, in the running back. So, you know, it's going to be those two guys. I mean, Benjamin, he's not even healthy. So uh, I, it's hard. You know, Zay Jones catches a pass every few weeks. Deontay Thompson's not healthy. Um, tough to find a lot of places to go here. If McCoy sits out, you're probably going to see Mike Tolbert take on the lead back role. They also had Marcus Murphy playing some last week. He got seven carries and two targets, but Murphy is a guy who been in the league uh, about three years, has more career kick returns than he has uh, touches in the running and the passing game. He is not above the 39th percentile in any of the uh, athletic metrics on playerprofiler.com. So that's the 40-yard dash, speed score, burst score, agility score, bench press, so uh, spark score. So uh, he's, wow, he's actually in the first percentile of spark score. So yeah, this mm-hmm. is not a, not a very, um, not a very appealing uh, situation here in Buffalo. Uh, if McCoy doesn't play, if McCoy is good to go, I think he's kind of that contrarian, somewhat contrarian anyway. I'm sure he'll get some, you know, ownership if he plays, but maybe not as high as the others, just based on, you know, what's been going on with the injury all week. But, you know, he's going to have to pretty much be the guy. It's either going to be him or Clay. So um, I guess with, with the price, probably Clay is my favorite play in this game on, on the Bills side. And then going over to the Jacksonville side, Buffalo, you they're a team that you want to attack with the run. They are the number two run uh, funnel in terms of schedule-adjusted production in the league. They rank dead last in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back position. And Leonard Fournette, probably because over these last this last half of the season, it's kind of been in and out of the lineup a bit. His price is pretty, pretty, pretty good, especially on DraftKings, uh, where he is only 7,400. So I think he, as you alluded to, TJ, is the clear top play in this game overall. But we should probably talk about these Jacksonville wideouts a little bit. TJ, what are your thoughts on just how this passing game is going to shake out, I guess, depending on Marquise Lee's status and uh, how are you viewing Blake Bortles among all these other quarterbacks on the slate? Man, I I hate Blake Bortles this week after he he went full Bortles last week against the the 49ers. I think this is just a the spot Titans, where against the Titans, I'm sorry. Um but I mean that was just a, a really ugly way to finish up the season and like you mentioned the Bills are just their their run funnel offense. They rank in the top 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to every other skill position except for running back where they rank last. So if the Jaguars have have any any sense, uh, they would kind of try to hide Bortles and just kind of pound uh, Leonard Fournette. But obviously, they're not going to run 100% of the time. So it, it does really come down to if Marquise Lee plays or not. Over the last six weeks of the season, uh, D.D. Westbrook has led the team in targets. But over the last three weeks, it's really been Keelan Cole. And, and uh, it kind of depends what side you're playing on. It's, kinda, it's a really curious situation because on DraftKings, D.D. Westbrook is 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 priced uh, down a little bit, so uh, he's he's one thousand dollars less than Keelan Cole on Fanduel. All of the Jacksonville wide receivers are kind of bunched together, and Cole has been the most consistent uh, uh, Jaguars wide receiver down the stretch, like I mentioned. Uh, but the issue is they have this really tough matchup against uh, the the tough um, exterior corners. Uh, so I'm actually kind of inclined to roster Alan Hearns in the slot just because those are easier passes to complete against the Bills. And I think Hearns played every snap except for one in the slot last week. So if if uh, Lee is out, I mean, Hearns might be the, the receiver to target if you even want to target any of these Jags receivers. Yeah, it's it's tough because I think I think you're right. You know, Hearns did play you know 31 to 32 of his routes in the slot last week. Keelan Cole was only there for 22 percent of his routes. So he'll probably play outside, I would think. And if Lee comes back, I, I mean, I don't know how you take Cole out of the lineup. So mm-hmm. I would guess that Lee's playing time affects Westbrook the most although you know all these guys can kind of play the slot as well so it's really tough I mean they might just go with a four-man rotation if Lee's not if we can play but he's not healthy so it's kind of it's really tough I just think the reason you have to think about this is again in these tournaments you know you have these receivers and they're priced affordably in this middle tier and you might need one or two or maybe even three of these guys if a bunch of stud running backs go off uh, to 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 take down a tournament so it's kind of you know you have to kind of sort through this but you know Cleveland Cole has shown the most up side this season in terms of fantasy and you know I think he's you know he's probably you know in play and then as you mentioned TJ I think Alan Hearns just because of that slot work is probably it's probably the second option but 
I, I don't think there's a ton of separation between between really any of these guys. And it's kind of, they're all just kind of dart throws. If unless Marquise Lee sits out where then I think you can, you can kind of feel a little more confident about, about targeting uh, any of the, the top three guys on Jacksonville. Mercedes Lewis hasn't really been too involved as the tight end. Uh, their backup tight end, James O'Shaughnessy has actually seen uh, more red zone targets in the last month than all of the other, uh, than Hooper and all of the other min price tight ends combined. So, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, another guy that might just pop up is like a, a guy that scores a, a random touchdown or something. But it's really tough with this Jacksonville passing game because I think, as you mentioned, TJ, they're just going to want to control this game and go back to hiding Bortles and not take any chances. But then you never know because Buffalo, I mean, at the same time, they have to be thinking like, hey, we have to just sell out to stop the run. Like if they if they're just playing two safeties back in or whatever they're doing, like I, I don't I don't I don't I just don't expect them to do that. Um, so, you know, we'll see. You can always have one of those fluke games where like I think it was against the Ravens where Bortles just threw for four touchdowns. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, I could see a, a situation where I guess Jacksonville smashes and just Bortles throws a couple of touchdowns to Cole or somebody or one of these guys. But um, I think the most likely game script is Leonard Fournette handling 25, 30 touches, running for a lot of yards and, and getting into the end zone. And that Jacksonville defense probably finishes as the top scoring defense on the slates. So let's go to the final game which is another interesting game. You have the Carolina Panthers going to New Orleans to take on the Saints. The New Orleans Saints are favored by seven points as we record this. It opened at six. So the implied total is uh, Carolina 20 and three quarters and Atlanta 27 and three quarters right now. And so that gives the Saints actually the highest implied total on a slate. But we'll start with the visiting Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton has, it's, it's a really interesting situation for Cam Newton. He actually tops our projection model in terms of probability to hit cash game value on four for four. But he's also kind of been in this situation where he hasn't thrown for more than 254 yards since uh, week five. But at the same time, over these last four weeks, he's been running a lot more. So he's run at least 11 times in each of these past four weeks and has at least 50 rushing yards in each of those games as well. So TJ, how are you feeling about Cam Newton in this spot? First of all, do you think he's uh, cash game viable? Um, do you think, are you worried about this this kind of lack of passing production? Um, just how you feel overall about him? I, I feel like I'm I'm done with Cam forever. Anybody that, <laughs> that anyone that knows my history with Cam knows what side I fall on. And, and three weeks ago, I think going into the Green Bay game, I, I said on the podcast that he was in a stretch that, that was arguably better than his MVP season. And he finished the season just going going full Cam. So like, I mean, if, if he doesn't get it done on the ground at this point, he's he's not going to get it done. Uh, I mean, like you mentioned, two, 200 yards passing uh, just once over the final six games of the season. Uh, ended the season with uh, the worst game of the season. Maybe one of the worst games of, of his career, really. It was just an ugly game against the Falcons. Not a way that you want your quarterback going into the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, I, I like a couple of his pass catchers a little bit, but I'm really not uh, into touching cam against the secondary this week. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I honestly think he's still in, like, he's still there. He's still cash viable because just cause of that rushing outside. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's no slam dunk quarterback play, you know, in the, on, on this slate. I mean, I think, you know, Alex Smith is in a situation where he, he's on, he's in a good spot on paper, but Kansas City's a threat to kind of play a low scoring runny run type of game. Um, then you have same thing with Jared Goff where, for different reasons, more so that he's priced up and the Rams, you know, Gurley could always take over that game and Goff doesn't necessarily get a ton of production. Um, so I think you have to kind of consider Cam, um, as, as, as well as Drew Brees, um, on mm-hmm. the other side of the ball. But, you know, I, it is very uncomfortable. And I think he, 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 you know, he has a, he has a ton of upside, but the passing stuff, you know, failing in the passing game over these past few weeks is worrisome. I don't think Devin Funches is fully healthy. I don't think Greg Olson is fully Fully healthy. They've suffered a bunch of injuries to all their other uh, wide receivers as well. So y- the the best thing for Cam probably is that he still has Christian McCaffrey to throw to, who will probably get a ton of usage in this game. It's because you're going to have Marshawn Lattimore probably on Devin Funches, and um, you know it's been tough with, for Cam and, and Olsen uh, for most of the season, aside from that one game against Green Bay, which pretty much the whole. Carolina offense it was like an outlier for them in terms of passing so this is it's a it's a tough matchup for Cam I'd still I still think he's 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 worth he's worth playing um in cash just because there aren't a ton of other options but 
not necessarily my top choice. I think that's still Alex Smith. And then, you know, mentioned Funches. He's kind of in this just, you know, he, he's the number one wide receiver. And, you know, he, he he can always, I guess, get a ton of volume, but not looking too great with, with the matchup against Lattimore. Greg Olson actually is in an interesting spot. He, over the past three weeks, he's been targeted uh, at least nine times twice. And he leads the Panthers in targets with 27. So that's nine a game. Uh, re- leads them in receiving yards and leads them in market share of air yards with 37% over these past three games, which is very high. So I think if anyone kind of has the, the, the upside for a monster game in the past game, that might go a little bit overlooked. It is Greg Olson. It's just the floor is also very low as we've seen uh, this uh, season. So it's Carolina. It's, it's probably Christian McCaffrey is your best bet on this team, just in terms of a, a safe floor. But I do think Greg Olson has some, some upside on the other side of the ball. TJ, how are you feeling about this Saints offense? You know, Breeze, Ingram, Kamara. You know, how are you kind of looking at this in terms of balancing out? You know, how you want to play these running backs, given that they do share the work, and then also kind of incorporating the the passing game into that, given that the running backs do get so much of the work. Yeah, I, I think this is going to come down to how do you think that the the Panthers are going to try to not lose against the Saints because uh, over the final six weeks of the season, only two defenses allowed more fantasy points per pass attempt than the Panthers. But the last time these two teams faced, uh, Alvin uh, Kamara and Mark Ingram combined for 248 yards on 34 touches. Now, I know that obviously going into the playoffs, a team isn't going to tip their hand as to what their their plan is but uh, if you've been listening to any of the the buzz leading up to the week it sounds like the Panthers uh, game plan is going to be to uh, focus in on, on Kamara and Ingram and I mean if if that is what ultimately ends up happening it makes Drew Brees a really interesting play just because so many people have been focused on these running backs and, and if they they do kind of sell out to stop the run. I think that uh, that leads to an offense where the Saints kind of leverage Kamara's usage in the passing game a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think you can sell out. Like, I don't think you can yeah. focus on these running backs. Like, if if that were the case, every team in like this would have been happening every time after like week like seven because mm-hmm. that the Saints have just been unleashing these guys. So I, I still, you know, the Saints their running backs are always going to come first. But you kind of alluded to it in the passing game. These guys get so much work that Drew Brees comes into play just because he's he's throwing to these guys so much anyway. And he, Drew Brees has had a pretty good floor this season. He's had 14 uh, points in uh, 12 of 16 games on DraftKings. So, you know, he's he's had a, a high floor. It's just the ceiling hasn't been there. But you, as you mentioned, this Carolina defense has struggled to stop passing. And they've really struggled on the outside, on the perimeter against wide receivers. So, as you, you know, I know you alluded to this earlier and I did as well. Michael Thomas, I think, is the top wide receiver on the slate. Ted Ginn, really good spot as well for him against his former team as a GPP play because Carolina has just been bleeding production to perimeter wide receivers over the second half of the season. But, you know, Alvin Kamara has been closing the gap on Mark Ingram in terms of touches per game. They're pretty much even in, in both snaps and touches over the past uh, three weeks with, uh, and Kamara's actually has an edge in scoring position touches over that span as well. But you're getting that discount for Mark Ingram. So it kind of cancels each other out where, you know, these guys are both great plays. If you're in, if you're trying to, you know, play some cash games on DraftKings, um, Mark Ingram probably makes more sense just because of the price point in tournaments. We know Kamara is, he's essentially been the most electrifying player in the league with the ball in his hands this season. So um, definitely uh, in play in tournaments. But, uh, you know, I think I like this whole Saints offense in this spot just because even in a tough matchup, their running backs are going to get the ball. And then they've struggled against the pass. So that kind of opens things up for the passing game as well. I think the Saints could put up over 30 points. I think the Saints could be the highest scoring team on the slate. And that's kind of another reason why I'm not opposed to Cam Newton in cash is because mm-hmm. I think the Saints, you know, obviously there is a concern of them just ball controlling, which which would be a problem. But I think the Saints could put up a big number, which, you know, even if you're getting some garbage time production, it's I think the camp's production will still be there to a certain extent, whether it's running or whether it's passing in garbage time or whatever. So um, I think this game has a, a decent shot of being a pretty high uh, scoring one. The Saints tight ends haven't really been doing much. 
neither have Willie Sneed or Brandon Coleman in that wide receiver three spot. So pretty attractive offense just from the standpoint of you have, uh, we kind of know where the ball is is going to go. And uh, I guess we should, we didn't really talk too much about the defenses on the slate other than the Jaguars, but who, uh, you know, assuming like you're not going to play the Jaguars just based on the price, like how are you feeling about these other defenses? You got the Bills kind of priced down a little bit, but they're road underdogs. Um, you have the the Rams kind of affordable. They're, they're a home favorite by over six points and then you have the Chiefs and the Saints kind of in that in that little purgatory there how you feeling about these defenses this week yeah it's it's you have all all the the favorites are basically like like touchdown or better favorites uh I mean we talked about Jacksonville looks like they're in the best spot but you also have to uh account for a possibility of Bortles going full border Bortles uh I I mentioned that I the way I think the Tennessee KC game script plays out just a slow low scoring game without a lot of opportunities for turnovers or fantasy points my favorite defense is is actually the Saints just because of how great their secondary has been uh you got Ken Crawley and uh Marshawn Lattimore healthy and Cam Newton's been turning the ball over at an extremely high rate so like you said uh for the same reason that that Cam can be a really good correlation play he could also be a really good player to target because uh more times you're going to make Cam pass the more opportunities you're going to have for turnovers turnovers so I actually like Saints is my top defense this week. I think I'm going with the Chiefs in this one, um, just because uh, I, I actually think that the, it could be a lower scoring game in that. I mean, I I, I do agree. I think can't, they'll get more chances, uh, you know, at pass attempts in that other game, but. Um, the Titans, uh, Carolina is actually top five in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses, Tennessee more middle of the pack. And I could see, you know, up and arrowhead. I like that Kareem Hunt to, uh, to the Chiefs D stack. Um, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of pretty close out here. And, uh, you know, how do you feel about the Bills, though? You know, just, you know, you mentioned Blake Borders going Blake Borders. I think if people look to pay down, the Bills defense is going to kind of be the first one they land on just because they are thinking about Blake Borders. Do you think that that's a good spot for them? Or do you think that the Jaguars are just going to run so much that it's it's going to be kind of pointless, especially if, if the Bills offense can't really uh, do anything on the other side? Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to to pick um, a, a quarterback or an underdog to pick on, I think that's pretty clearly the spot. I mean, I accidentally said, uh, San Francisco and I was talking about Bortles to close the season but two weeks ago it was San Francisco that he threw three interceptions against so five interceptions in two games to close out the season a lot of people are going to see those 20 point fantasy games over the last six weeks but you know, quarterback that turned the ball over uh, you want to attack that yeah I think that's pretty much you know it's I don't really feel great about uh the bills in this game at all but you know i think that's pretty much almost by default the, the spot you want to go to if not you're just kind of throwing darts here now i think it's it can be worthwhile at times because we've seen, seen especially on these short slates that when you have a defense you know a lot of times there could be situations where either just because of the way salary sets up or just because a lot of the defenses don't quite you know get these monster games that you can get away with having a defense that scores you know four or five six points and sometimes you know that could just be a team like the falcons or a team you know like the uh like the uh Panthers or somebody like that but uh it's kind of tough I, I think the Jaguars are clearly the best play and then you know you kind of want to look in that that for to the other favorites on these in these three games because as TJ mentioned you know they're all favored by over six points so pretty pretty decent spots for all of them uh at kicker I guess same same kind of deal you want to just be looking mostly at the favorites you have the Rams kicker Sam Ficken and he's on he's still minimum priced and the Rams have an implied total around 27 points so he's kind of the default kicker that you would look to he's got the top value rating on four for four and you know if not I think all of the the favorites are in play, the uh, Lambo, Butker, and Lutz all have matchups against defenses that rank 24th or below in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two wide receivers. So that that's about pretty much the slate. We'll get into some bowl calls real quick, and then we will wrap it up for this wild card weekend. So let's start with a team, a player bowl call, TJ. Uh, who you got? I my bull call is that Albert Wilson is going to outscore Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tyreek Hill has seen forty nine percent of his PPR scoring come on uh, completions on deep balls. The Titans have allowed the six fewest completions on deep balls this year. Uh, Albert Wilson targeted five times in five of the Chiefs' final six games. Only player besides Travis Kelsey uh, with double digit red zone targets this year. And I mentioned how much teams have thrown in the red zone against the Titans. That'd be interesting, and that that would be key too because you know we mentioned you're going to need somebody here. 
um, at these wide receiver positions probably because the 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 kind of the value or not the value but the the, the ceilings kind of tilt toward running backs just because there's so many stud running backs on the slate so there could be a situation where if you know three different running backs are hitting like 25 30 35 points you're gonna need you're gonna need some value at wide receiver and so I have kind of a, in a similar vein my bull call is going to be that Brenton Burson the wide receiver for the Panthers is going to be a factor in, in in winning lineups in DFS this weekend I don't know exactly what that means but I'm I'm, I'm thinking you know he either you know catches a few passes and scores a touchdown or he gets a higher volume game than we expect but over these last uh, couple of weeks over these last two weeks uh, Burson has played uh, 68% of the snaps and he has a 20% market share of air yards. So that's not, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, but, you know, they, Demir Birds on the injured reserve mentioned Funch is kind of banged up and Cam and Olsen could not connect last week for whatever reason, just, um, one, one catch on a nine targets or something like that. So I do think that there's kind of a, some space for, for a wide out other than those guys or a receiver, excuse me, other than those guys to step up, especially because we know the Saints perimeter corners, Marshall and Lattimore and Ken Crowley have been playing well. They've been more vulnerable in the slot, which is where Burson would uh, probably line up on a majority of his snaps. So going with Brenton Burson here, TJ's got Albert Wilson. We're going to need one of these wide receivers to probably hit. So um, keep those guys in mind. And then for our, for a team bowl cause, uh, I'll just ask you, TJ, like what team of the four do you think has the best chance at an upset and why? Yeah, I, I just think for the simple fact that they're facing Blake Bortles at Buffalo has the best chance for an upset. Uh, none of these, neither of these offenses are, are necessarily uh, explosive. Uh, and I don't think this is a, a huge blowout. And if Bortles throws a couple picks, uh, maybe one of them a pick six, I, I could see Buffalo winning a, a, a 21 to, to 14 type game. Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the, the, probably the easiest choice that the, probably the most logical one. Um, I guess since you, I've already covered that. I'll try to say, what I think is the uh, the second most likely one, and I'm gonna probably have to go with the. I could I could see a situation where where the. Uh where the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. beat the New Orleans Saints. I mean, it's a division Carolina, game, man. Right, exactly. And it's like as, as down as I think we probably are on Carolina a bit, you know, just for what they've put on the field these last um, pretty recently, actually. It's probably just a little bit of recency bias there. So, um, you know, I do think that Carolina, they're a very volatile team, whereas they have low lows, but they also have high highs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as bad as Cam Newton has been, he can always have, you know, one of those monster games. And he does have Greg Olson back. He has the important receivers there. So he's got Olsen, he's got Funches, he's got McCaffrey. So I, you know, I think the Panthers could pull out a win here. Um, not not necessarily counting on it, but if I was going to choose another potential upset besides the Bills of Jacksonville, I'd probably go with the Panthers. I have a lot of confidence in Sean McVay, you know, at home against this, these Atlanta Falcons, and I have a lot of confidence in in the Chiefs. Or actually, I shouldn't say I have a lot of confidence in the Chiefs. I just don't have much confidence in the Titans <laughs> yeah. uh, going on the road uh, to, to Arrowhead. But um, yeah, that pretty much does it for this wildcard 2017 season edition of DFS MVP. You can follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Raybon and any last words TJ and let's just keep getting this money for a couple more weeks man let's get this new year money no doubt to the out like whoa I don't give a f- Y'all know my attitude. Can't stand my cologne and stay your ass home. Huh. You ran your chaperone. Things done change, but we continue to reign. As the king and the queen of hip-hop, me and P.I. Frank White still a center of attention. I'm by his side with the chrome fit playing my position. Sexy, young thing, from the ghetto. That bitch rocking mics and high heels to level. We taking over like Francis. Switching our styles like the hottest new dances. See, I let y'all know this back a little paper. Be glad I pushed my album back. I did y'all hoes a favor. Come on. Come on. Uh-huh.